All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash own your style. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, things. Tight, tighten up your core, things. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. All right, so I am honored to have my friend Allie Fallon join me for this thing, and we're going to be talking grief. You've heard Allie on my podcast before. She came over and we recorded a whole episode on writing. Allie is big into writing, well, because she is a writer. You've written three books of your own, but you've written and published 13, 14, I don't know, something books for other people. So obviously, Allie is a big fan of writing, but it really is for the everyday person as well. You're not saying like set out to write a book. You think writing is therapy. It's totally therapy. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there. I work with people who have a dream to publish a book and I can help them outline the book and get the book out into the world. But you and I have talked a bunch about this, that there is such a benefit to the writing practice, even if you don't ever plan to publish anything. And most of us know this intuitively, like people who have journaled regularly before or just really like the feeling of recording their thoughts and being able to see the experiences of their life on paper. Or if you're not a journaler, but you've had one of those experiences where something makes you really angry and you sit down to your computer and type out an email that might be a strongly worded email to someone. And then maybe when you're done (laughs) with the email, you think I'm not going to send this and you delete it and just go to bed instead. But that feeling of catharsis that you get from just putting the words on the page and saying things exactly the way that you wanted to say them is an example of how healing writing can be. Yes. And Allie and I were just at a wedding together last weekend and we were talking about grief because as many of you may know, I recently lost my dad and a lot of people are in a season of grief, especially in this time. And I get emails from listeners being like, I just lost my first loved one ever, or I'm going through this or I'm going through that. 
you can be grieving lots of things. It doesn't have to be the death of somebody, but it came up because of my dad and Allie and I were talking at the table about maybe doing a thing on some writing prompts that would be therapeutic for grief. And so I was like, yes, okay, we'll get together this coming week and we'll record it. So here we are. And that's how it it came about. And and I'm excited to hear what Allie has for us because she planned out some prompts. And go ahead and talk to people about why grief doesn't have to look like even your typical type of grief. Yeah, I think this is such an important time to be talking about grief because first of all, so many of us lost so many things in 2020. You know, when the pandemic hit, we lost jobs, we lost loved ones, we lost time with friends, we lost like simple things like vacations or trips that we were planning on and excited about. And it might seem like that's a long time ago. And sometimes we have this tendency to be like, that was in the past, I've already moved on. But the fact of the matter is because 2020 was as intense as it was for so many of us, a lot of us never really got to deal with those things that we lost. We never had a chance to process the grief. And what happens when we don't process grief is it gets lodged in our bodies and shows up in kind of sideways ways. Like it'll come out in a fit of anger or a crying spell that makes makes no sense to you, or maybe some low grade depression or anxiety or something like that. When we try to cover up feelings that we have, it comes out in weird ways. Okay. Can I just confess something to you real quick, just so that other people don't feel alone? Cause I, I, I felt like a crazy person earlier today. Well, actually about 30 minutes ago before I was getting on with you, <laughs> I had a work call and luckily it was with my friend Jackie that I work with at iHeart. I mean, I still work with her, but thankfully she's a friend and I had the meltdown with her, but I'm on the phone with her and it was about this work thing. And it was overwhelming me because I feel like I only have so much of myself right now because I do have so much going on that it's daunting to me to have a full day because I am like a pendulum and I'm good and then I'm not good and then I'm good. So like, I feel like I can put on a game face long enough for the Bobby Bone Show. Sure, I've got something tomorrow that'll be my first like really long day from early in the morning till evening. And I'm so nervous about it because it means I have to hold it together for a very long time and be camera ready and stay on. And she was trying to help me out and work it out to where maybe we made it like a half day thing, but there's a whole production team involved. And they were like, no, we need the same host the whole time. And unfortunately, it's something I already committed to. But then I started to get cold feet and I wanted to back out at least of half of it. And Jackie was calling to deliver me the news of like that we can't do that. And I just broke down on the phone with her. Had that been any other person from my company, I probably would have maybe hopefully been able to hold it together, but I felt (laughs) safe with Jackie. But me crying over that is extremely unprofessional, but it just also is me telling y'all the fragile place that I'm in. And I know a lot of you might be in a similar place where, you know, the simplest thing that normally if you were in a different stage in your life, Maybe you would have been excited about hosting something all day or getting the opportunity to work. I mean, I guess now I'm speaking for myself. Like this is something I would have normally been excited about. Like, oh, cool. They asked me to host this. That's awesome. And now I'm terrified. Yeah. And and I just had a breakdown, but I'm going to pull it together and I'm going to rally and Jackie's going to be by my side the whole time. But but that was just an example of, yeah, like it, it's, it's yeah. Be probably because I've... I still am dealing with stuff and maybe I need to write (laughs) or get it out because I'm stuffing it down and then it's just coming out. Yeah. I mean, writing is an incredible catharsis for that kind of stuff. But I also just want to acknowledge and say that we have this weird idea around grief in our culture that grief is a weakness, that if we show grief that we're not strong, not professional, you know, not whatever enough, not fill in the blank enough. And I just want to remind people that grief I think it's Glennon Doyle who calls grief like your receipt for having loved. So it is proof to you that you lost something that was important to you, that mattered to you, that you loved. So I think I want to demystify this idea that grief is like, you know, if I, if I was like really in a bad place, then I would process my grief. Or, you know, if I melt down in front of friend or coworker or whatever, that that means I'm weak because I'm grieving. When the fact of the matter is that grief is human, it's universal. Nobody gets through this life without grief. We will all over the course of our lives, lose various types of things. And even if you're not grieving something massive, like 
a financial loss or the loss of a loved one or loss of a job or something. I posted on Instagram the other day that even when you lose something that you wanted to be gone, like even when we're transitioning away from the pandemic, for example, and all of us are getting, the world is opening up and we're getting to go back to kind of like life as normal. Even a period of time like that can come with some grief because what we're losing is the comfort of predictability. We're losing the life that we became accustomed to, and now we're having to adjust again. So I do think it's a really important time to be talking about grief and demystifying this idea that, you know, just, just changing our mindset so that we don't feel like grief is a sign of weakness. Grief is actually a sign of great strength. Mm -hmm. I was even just something came to my mind too, because there might be listeners going through a divorce or something where they know that that's what needs to happen. And they have clarity in that. And, And it's so obvious and it's, it's what needs to happen, but there can still be grief for that life you once had, even if the divorce is something that you want. Yes. I felt that. I actually thought about this as we were, as I was prepping for the show today, that I'm divorced. I'm newly married. Well, I'm remarried now. I've been married almost two years, but when I was going through my divorce, it was a relationship that desperately needed to end. It was an incredibly toxic relationship, but even still there was so much grief because there was grief in the loss of my idea of what marriage would be like. There was grief in the loss of all the effort that I had put in to try to get this relationship to work. There was grief in just accepting the word divorced. You know, I was like, wow, I just never thought that I would be a person who's divorced and now I'm divorced. So you're really right to touch on that, that sometimes even when we're letting go of something that we know we need to let go of, that there can be a lot of grief. Yeah. So walk us through some of the prompts that you have for us now that we've probably expanded the view of grief, because some people may initially think, oh, why nobody in my life has died recently, but grief can be in so many different categories. So I think that your writing prompts can apply to, to everybody, no matter what's going on in their life. Okay, so I'm going to walk you all through a four-part writing prompt to process grief. So the first part is just to name the grief. And the little prompt that I gave to help people name the grief is just, I'm letting go of fill in the blank. So it can be helpful just to give words to whatever it is that you're letting go of. You know, I'm letting go of the life that was comfortable to me. I'm letting go of my marriage. I'm letting go of that job that I loved. I'm letting go of the idea that my life was going to be this certain way. I'm letting go of the control over getting pregnant right now, whatever it is. So just naming the grief, putting words to it. Sometimes even just that simple step can be really cathartic because sometimes when we have grief going on, kind of it's like background noise in our brains or in our bodies that we haven't fully named. It can feel almost like a fogginess that you can't explain or you don't really understand. And you feel like your brain's not working that well, but you're like, why? Why isn't my brain working very well? Sometimes just naming the grief can help make so much clarity of it. It doesn't take up quite so much mental space. Okay. So that's prompt number one. Step one. Step two is going to be a little bit more challenging for some people. Some people really like this part and some people feel a little resistant to it. But step two is just to tune into what your body is telling you. And the reason for this is what Bessel van der Kolk talks about. I think you said you're reading Mm -hmm. his book for the first time. Did I I hear you say that? Body keeps the score. Body Mm -hmm. keeps the score. It's the best book that I've read in years and years and years and such important research. But essentially what he's talking about in that book is that our body holds on to truths that our brains sometimes can't admit. And this is why a lot of us will see physical manifestations of symptoms in our bodies when we haven't processed a grief or a trauma that we've experienced. The good news about that is our bodies can be incredible diagnostic tools. We can get quiet and tune into them and hear the messages that they're trying to share with us. So we can get quiet and tune in with our body and say like, where am I feeling the grief in my body? Maybe you're feeling it in your gut. This is usually the number one place where I feel any kind of big emotion. I'll you know manifest symptoms in my digestive system. And so a lot of times I'll feel stuff in my gut, but you might feel like a heaviness in your chest. You might feel like kind of that foggy feeling I was talking about in your head. You might feel like a heaviness in your shoulders. You might feel pain in your neck. But when we tune in and listen to our bodies, we can get a lot of information about what's going on with us, even if our brains don't always align perfectly or sync up with what our body is telling us. So you can just write, you know, my fill in the blank, my my heart, my chest, my head, et cetera, wants me to know. In fact, as I was prepping for this, I was thinking about years and years and years ago, I had crazy food allergies. There were very few foods that I could eat without experiencing pain. And I had a therapist who recommended to me that I write a letter to myself from my stomach. 
Cause I would have these like, you know, intense symptoms in my stomach. And at the time I thought this was such a weird thing to do. It was like from my stomach. And <laughs> that sounds, sounds so strange, but I sat down and wrote a letter to myself from my stomach and got a lot of really good information about what was going on in my body. You know, what I saw were parallels between what I was feeling emotionally and, and the physical symptoms that I was experiencing. And even just seeing that alignment was so freeing because I was like, Oh, I'm not crazy. You know, I'm, I had been to the doctor and they had given me all these tests and said, no, you don't have Crohn's. No, you're not gluten intolerant. But I'm like, every time I eat gluten, I feel really sick. And so to see, as I wrote out, you know, what the message that my stomach was sending me to see the alignment between what I'm experiencing physically and what I'm experiencing emotionally was really, really healing for me. This makes me think of one time I was taking Sarah Norris's yoga class and maybe I'm, this is yes. coming to mind because Allie and I used to go to yoga together a lot before we were parents. <laughs> uh, we had a lot more free time on our hands. And, you know, this was years ago, very pre-pandemic, but uh, because yeah, we haven't even, neither one of us have gone to a yoga studio since uh, coronavirus. Although um, hopefully maybe we can hit up a class soon, but Sarah had me do, uh, or the whole class do the frog pose. And it was yes. the year my mom oh, I died and I yeah. couldn't get into it. Like my hips would not let me. And I remember trying in class. And then as we're all just laying there in frog pose or whatever my move was, cause I wasn't, my hips weren't letting me do it appropriately. I just started bawling, crying. It felt good. Like it was very freeing, but it was cool to see maybe a year or two go by after that, maybe even three. And I was with Sarah and I plopped right down into frog pose and I did it. But because yeah. I was I was in a different space, I wasn't holding all that tension in yeah. my hips from my grief. And so totally. that was something my hips were telling me. And didn't she tell you, she told you that your hips are like the junk drawer yes. for emotional, whatever, whatever we're experiencing emotionally, that a lot of it goes to our hips, which I find to be so true yeah. too. Okay. So that's step two. So step one is just to name the grief. Step two is to tune into your body and listen to what your body is telling you. Yeah. Right now I feel like I, my neck needs to write me a letter. Yeah. <laughs> that's where my hips were fine this time around. Although maybe I don't know, cause I haven't tried frog pose, but definitely <laughs> I, my neck is where I'm holding on to a lot. So I'll be writing myself a letter from my neck soon. Let me know how that goes. I have to hear about it. Step three is just to honor the feeling. And this is a little bit of what I was talking about before that we don't often give ourselves permission to feel grief. But if we think about the fact that grief is the receipt for having loved, then there's actually great honor in allowing ourselves to feel the grief. So the little prompt I have for this is I give myself permission to whatever it is. And you know, it might be something really, really simple. Like I give myself permission to take a nap or actually, you know, what's interesting. And I've learned this from a lot of therapy, but sleep is incredibly healing, not just for our bodies, but for our brains. It's the number one way that your brain is going to be able to process through trauma and loss. So when you're in a period of grief, sleep is extra, extra important. And sometimes again, I don't know if other people have this, but like, I have this weird voice in my head. That's like, um, like if I want to take a nap, it's like that thinks it's weak to take a nap. I don't know exactly what the voice in my head says, but I'm like, naps are for babies, you know, take a nap. Like you can sleep at night. I don't know, but sleep can be really, really healing for us. Yeah. No, I, uh, the body keeps a score. Maybe I've been reading so many different things lately. So maybe it wasn't in that could have been in something else, but it too talked about how when you're in your deep sleep and you kind of have your eyes going, your eyes are going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, which yeah. is what is like, if you ever do any sort of EMDR or brain yeah. spotting, that's what you're mimicking that of what's happening in your REM cycle when you're he totally. healing while you're sleeping. I'm paraphrasing yeah, also, by the way, like <laughs> I'm paraphrasing right now from a book. I think, <laughs> I think it was that I just have been reading too many different things lately, but I'm pretty sure it was body keeps the score. It's also good to remember that when you're processing big, heavy, emotional stuff, you're just more exhausted than you are at other times. And so I think we just need to have tons of compassion for ourselves and give, give ourselves lots of space. And oh gosh, now I'm thinking of all my yoga classes and I can't remember which Brene Brown book it was. And now I'm wondering if you were in the class uh, when one of our teachers one time, when we would lay at the end in Savasana, she would get out a book and read to us. And she read yeah. Brene Brown, again, not sure 
sure which book, and I'm totally paraphrasing, but it was basically in a nutshell, giving you that permission to not be hustling all the time. Yeah. Because somehow we've equated success with go, 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 go. Yeah. And really it's like, yeah, giving yourself that permission and knowing it's okay. And you're going to actually show up better if you pull back. A hundred percent. I think this is the greatest lie that we've believed in our culture. And I do think it's extra pervasive toward women, but I, I really feel like the greatest lie that we believed is that hustle equals success. It's just not true. It doesn't play out in actual reality. And I think we, we would all have more to offer the world if we were more compassionate with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's what this prompt will do for people. And maybe that I give myself permission to is not sleep for you. Maybe it's like, you know, to go eat my favorite meal or to eat some ice cream or to make a phone call to a friend or to my sister or someone who's comforting for me, or I give myself permission to cry, or I give myself permission to be really mad, whatever it is for you, you know, honoring the feeling is about giving space for the feeling to exist, to have room to move and breathe inside of you. Yeah. I like that one, uh, giving yourself permission to to be mad or maybe feel some negative emotions that have otherwise been told or you've been told aren't appropriate, or maybe you should, you know, choose joy. You know, we have the whole pimp and joy movement, but there were definitely days, even though that started with my mom and her overall motto during her cancer battle was joy. And she tried to spread joy to others and choose it for herself. But she was very clear that there were hard days and we tried to process all of those emotions. And so I think sometimes we can get stuck on, oh, shoot, I'm supposed to be choosing joy for myself in adversity and look at what this person is going through. I shouldn't be feeling this way, but really it's a disservice to stuff down the other stuff and, and cover it up with, with a fake joy, which my mom would, oh, she always wanted me to clarify that the joy of the Lord was her strength. So she's like, that is where my joy is coming from. And I want to be clear. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, sometimes yeah. she goes, and sometimes I really have to pray for it because it's hard, <laughs> especially when you're battling yeah. something like she was, like it was not an easy journey. So I always like to clarify that whenever it comes up because I feel as though we kind of pop off a quick message about pimp and joy, like choose joy, spread joy, be joy, whoop. But really it's also asterisk, side note, give yourself permission to lean into the hard times so that true joy can show up on the other side. Yes. That's such an important reminder. And it's a great transition into this last part of the prompt. But I want to say that, you know, I I don't think true joy can exist until you've experienced deep pain. You know, I've been through some things in my life. I know you have too. And I can smell it from a mile away when someone has that sort of toxic positivity that's just sort of like surface level. And you can tell that they haven't really felt their own pain or lived through anything difficult or really processed and healed on their own. And and the joy comes out of that. I can tell when it's just kind of like you're talking about, it's just like a fake surface level joy. And I, I have compassion for that. But also at the same time, I think the deepest joy that we can experience in life comes from born out of those moments of pain. It's, it's actually like, it sounds like a contradiction, but it is the deep truth of life that joy and pain can live in coexistence with one another. And it's almost like they can't live without one another. One always amplifies the other. So that's why this last prompt I think is important. The last prompt is to write a love letter to fill in the blank, whatever you want to write a love letter to. And the reason that I included this prompt in the four steps is because grief and love are intimately connected. We grieve when we lose something that we loved. And so maybe you're writing a love letter to a past version of yourself and you're so thankful to her for all that she did and all that she fought through to get you here. Or maybe you're writing a love letter to your dad and telling him everything that he meant to you and how much you miss him and telling him things that you wish you could say to him in person or in real life. Or maybe you're writing a love letter to a loved one that you lost uh, a child or a, or a spouse, or I don't know, maybe you're writing a love letter to, you know, a job that you lost or whatever it is for you. Just reminding yourself this last part of the prompt is about reminding yourself that the reason you're feeling this grief is because of love. Mm, I love that. Can you just quickly, just because people were probably listening and in case they want to grab a pin real quick and just listen to this one part, they can at least jot down step one, two, three, four, just like run through it without doing all the other things because they could, you know, go back and, and get that. But if they just want step one through four quickly. Okay. So step one is to name the grief. I'm letting go of dot, dot, dot. Step two is to listen to your body. So my head, my chest, my heart, my belly wants me to know. 
Step three is to honor the feeling. I give myself permission to fill in the blank. And step four is a love letter to whoever you want to write a love letter to. Thank you, Allie. These are great prompts so for much. sure. And having you on now makes me think of when I had you on back then. And I think that, I mean, you're just one of my favorite guests. So I'm going to be thinking Thanks, of Amy. more ways to bring you on. And where can people find you on Instagram and your podcast and your website yeah. and all the things? So you can find me on Instagram at Allie Fallon, A-L-L-Y, and then Fallon, just like Jimmy Fallon. And my website is findyourvoice.com. The podcast is called Find Your Voice with Allison Fallon. Also, I have a new book out. It's called The Power of Writing It Down. So if you try these prompts and you really love them, you can go find that anywhere that you buy books. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Allie. It was so fun seeing you at the wedding. And I'm glad it led to you you coming on here today. And yeah, we'll be in touch. We'll have to get together. We got to do a yoga class. Yes. And then, yes, just maybe get together and brainstorm more ideas. Work on your next book? No. No. (laughs) Allie's... thinking I'm going to write a book, but I told her I had... send Amy messages. If you think she should write a book <laughs> and I'm going to reply, no, I no, I can't. At least right now I do uh, not see that happening. No, later. But, um, I will do your writing prompts as a therapeutic thing only at this time. <laughs> we'll see. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Thanks, Allie. Thanks, Amy. Second thing. Okay. This thing is a little homework assignment. I want to encourage each of you, and then I'll be doing this myself as well, to make a list of things that you can do to take care of yourself. We'll call it a self-care list. And I want you to reflect on the list. And ultimately, I want you to act on the list. There's an account on Instagram called Let's Talk Mental Health. That's the handle at Let's Talk Mental Health. And I saw they put up a graphic that showed things that we typically consider self-care, which they called the inner circle. And then they had other things that also can be a part of one's self-care routine, but it's not stuff you typically maybe would line up with self-care. And they called that the external circle. And then the caption that they put up with the graphic asked people how many forms of the external circle they honestly were taking care of. So I'll ask you to ask yourself the same thing when I read these off. Now I'm going to start with the inner circle, which again is more obvious. Sleep, therapy, exercise, yoga, sunlight, cleaning, meditation, nutrition. And then the external circle, which again, I want you to focus on this one, making time for hobbies reading, learning, journaling, developing friendships, taking a walk, financial management, spirituality, goals, boundaries, and social media habits. Now, I am working on some of these external ones. If I ask myself that question that they asked, which how many forms of the external circle are you honestly taking care of? And I can honestly say I'm making time for hobbies. I got my birds and my puzzles. I am reading a lot. I probably need to find some reading that's a little bit lighter. (laughs) I am trying to learn. I'm journaling in my Four Things Gratitude journal, working on friendships. I haven't been taking as many walks as I want at all. But I do think that walks are really good for me, so I need to be more intentional about scheduling those. Now, financial management, y'all would be so proud of me. I mean, maybe you won't because you don't know how uninvolved in finances I actually am, but my husband pretty much took those over when we got married like years and years ago, and I just checked out. And financial stuff just overwhelms me. I don't know anything about anything, but I now am getting involved and I'm starting to know things and it's empowering and I'm feeling stronger. And yes, I feel like financial management has been a form of self-care for me. So I can check that one off too. Another thing I've really been working on is boundaries, like setting boundaries for myself, big or small. It's not easy, but it is a form of self-care. And it's pretty cool when you see yourself following through with a boundary and then friends that respect you for that, because if they know about boundaries and they're working on them, then they recognize when you're setting a boundary for yourself, even if it means like you're canceling plans with them or something. Like I did that the other day and the friend wrote me back and was like, hey, I see that boundary you just set for yourself. Way to go. I'm proud of you. She wasn't like, oh, bummer. Thanks for canceling our plans. No, she saw the boundary and she respected it because you know what? She's probably going to have to do that back at me one day and I'm going to see it and respect it. So there are ways to set those healthy boundaries. Again, that was a small one with that friend, that example, but you know, there could be bigger boundaries, which it's not lost on me how hard it might be for some of you to set some of those, but maybe start with small ones. And then social media habits, I'm really trying to work on that 
there are days where I'm all over Instagram and Twitter and even TikTok a little bit here and there, and I'm trying to keep up and do all that. But there are other days where I'm intentionally just putting my phone down for hours or maybe even the whole day, and I'm just not on there. And that's me being intentional about that for sure. So maybe you make your list, check out that external circle that I went over. I'll read them again one more time, making time for hobbies, reading, learning, journaling, developing friendships, taking a walk, financial management, spirituality, goals, boundaries, and social media habits. And maybe your self-care looks different than this list, but get out that pen and paper and take some time in the next few days to write out your self-care list. Maybe draw a cute little graphic or maybe just type up the list, but Actually, no. For the sake of this assignment, if you can take time to write it all out, I want to encourage you to do that. And then remember to follow through on some of the self-care. Don't just make the list. Actually try to check things off of it every day if you can. Maybe one or two of the things every day. Or if that seems overwhelming, then try to do some a few times a week and see where you get when it comes to you taking care of yourself. And I'm going to be checking back in with you. If y'all want to send me your list, you can email them to me, Brown at gmail.com. I would love to see those and maybe even share some of your lists so that others can get ideas on how they can better be prioritizing and taking care of themselves. We're a community here. We like to help each other out. So I'd love to hear from you on this homework assignment that I am now giving you <laughs> and myself. I'm going to be doing it too. So again, yeah, email me, Brown at gmail.com. Right. So a lot of us are guilty of doing that whole last minute shopping thing when it comes to holidays like Mother's Day. You might be in that position right now, and that makes it challenging to find a great gift for mom. But don't worry. Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. So whether the mom in your life is a fashionista or maybe even a photographer or a fanatic about yoga Macy's Gift Finder has got so many great gift ideas to make her feel special. Now, Mother's Day is May 12th, so make sure you make note of that. Don't have much time. That's okay. Macy's has got you covered. And you can shop by price, $25 and under or $100 and under. You can shop by category, fragrances, handbags, and more. Or they've got gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, or gifts for grandma. Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frame, Polaroid camera. That would be so awesome to receive. Or my personal favorite, man, I would love to get this as a gift, Samsung Smart TV, The Frame. Go to Macy's.com slash gift finder. Again, it's pretty easy. Just head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas anytime I wear them or I get a new pair. They feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. The results... Well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed-release capsules. 
And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Okay, so do you ever deal with text or email anxiety? Just it all starts to become too much because that happens to me. So I got my girl Lisa on with me for this thing because Lisa, I want you to share your process when it comes to managing text and emails. And hopefully our little chat about this can maybe help make correspondence a little less overwhelming for some of you listening because I'm someone that just gets overwhelmed because I don't have a system in place. And then I just end up ignoring a lot of things and not purposefully, sometimes even on accident. But Lisa, walk us through what you do. So after my last Instagram break, which was the beginning of this year, I think it was like six weeks off, I started to really assess how available I am and how I have a pressure to reply to my quote unquote availability. Meaning when somebody text messages or emails me, I felt an urgency to reply. Now let's keep in mind, you know, my, my job is important as is most people's, but it's not brain surgery or life-changing stuff. I know it's not brain surgery, but it is life-changing stuff. You are helping people. You've helped shape my life Mm -hmm. and changed parts of me. So I just wanted to correct you on that. Thank you. And in order for me to shift lives and perspectives or help to guide people home, as I like to say, that's never going to be done if I reply in an urgent matter, because I kind of feel like I treated text messages and emails like a hot potato. Came in, I got to get it off my plate. Come in, got to get it off my plate. And I think that that is the culture of corporate America. We expect responses immediately. A lot of our bosses put a lot of demands on us. So I also want to say I recognize most people won't have the luxury to do what I do. So I'm going to share what I do, but also maybe give some tips on what you can possibly do that could work that could fit into your lifestyle. Well, let me interject real quick to say too, that you could apply this. Yes. Depending on your type of work and what you do, you may not to be, be able to do what Lisa's saying on a professional level, but you might be able to implement it on a personal level when it comes to your emails or your text messages. And let's just start with text because I feel like that's kind of a big one. We expect people to text us back immediately. I've had people text me if I don't get back within a day, they're like, "Uh, hello, hello, you know, and I'm just not going to give that response to everybody because I'm also setting a new norm of how available I am and expectations and all of that, even if it's, you know, a friend kind of a thing. And it has really helped me get organized with when am I available for a conversation? When am I in the best place to help somebody to do whatever? But a lot of us are kind of just like this open bleeding scab that are constantly being reopened by people accessing us at all times and are 
knee-jerk reaction to reply with urgency. So over those six weeks, I started to really think about how I approach my day, which, you know, I work from home, I work for myself. And essentially I was on email at every second throughout the day as I was working on a bunch of different things and how inefficient that was for me and how ineffective it was making me at a communicator. So I sat down and realized that I could be a lot more effective, I believe, if I chose three days to focus on emails. That means if you email me on a Tuesday or a Thursday or over the weekend, you're likely not gonna get a reply until Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And my email lets you know that as well as directs you into the direction that you might need to go if you are reaching out to me such as my courses, you know, podcast related stuff, etc. And I will also admit that I'm actually not that great at keeping up with this. I do check my email still every single day, but what I've been most astounded by is the reaction, like hearing from you, Amy, that like, wow, like I did not expect anybody to be like, wow, I want to do this, or I love that you do this. I actually expected more of a kickback of that's pretty unprofessional, or that's lazy that you don't work as hard, which isn't the truth, by the way. I'm working more efficiently, has nothing to do with how hard I'm working, but I expected people to kind of be pissy about it. And while I'm sure it does piss people off when they don't hear from me or just when they get an annoying auto reply, I've had an overwhelming amount of people, male and female, be like, love this, which really shows that we need a change in communication styles. Now, you got to also think about how we used to communicate versus how we communicate now (laughs) from text messages to letters to fax machines to everything. We are communicating so rapidly with each other, and that's not always a good thing. There's beauty in time. We get so used to getting what we want instantly. I mean, even you want to hear a song, now you stream it. We used to have to wait for it to come on the radio and record it with our cassette tape so then we could listen to it whenever we wanted. Or, I mean, that's just like a small example of how so much has changed. But when you get that instant gratification from music and TV and every, so you expect it in every facet, you know, to where then now it's like if you're not getting something instantly back, you're suddenly disappointed. But no, when it comes to what you're doing with your email and texts, I think it's just you setting boundaries for yourself. And like you said, it helps set you up for more success. And that's all that matters. Like, you know, what's going to allow you to be more efficient and allow you to work. You're still working hard, but you've got nothing to prove to anybody. You're just working smarter. Yeah. And I will also say that even more effective than the email boundary, let's be honest, most of us are in front of our computer for more than eight hours a day. Most of us, a lot of us, I should say. One thing that maybe even more effective than that was taking email off of my cell phone. So I no longer have the Gmail app on my phone. Yeah, I mean, okay, keep in mind, I work from home. I'm in front of my computer a lot of the day. But when I go to the bathroom for a break and I grab my phone, do I need to be checking my email to what, not miss one second? You know, that that was kind of where I was at. Before I went to bed, I put my phone on the charger. Let me check my email. Nothing for me personally is coming through at 1030 at night. You know, when I'd wake up at 330 in the morning, check my email. Why? And all of that is really interruptive to my creativity, to my peacefulness, to all of that. And we are addicted to filling our brains with information, with interactions, and we're terrified of stillness, of blank space, of not being needed. I think it comes down to our relevancy, and we define relevancy by our text messages, by our emails, by people communicating with us. But when we pull all that back and we get a little bit of silence, it's like, wait, I'm okay here. And there starts to bloom new thoughts that are not fueled by just being a reaction to someone else talking to you. And in a world of social media where we could open TikTok, Instagram, I mean, a million other platforms at this point, it's very easy to just keep filling your brain with information. But the most important thing you can do is create your own thoughts. And that only happens when you put a pause on the incoming amount of information coming in, I believe. Well, I love that. And I appreciate you sharing your email and text method with us because I think a lot of people are going to appreciate and appreciate that permission of like, oh, this is a thing. 
she's doing it. Maybe I can do it. And again, I do recognize that everybody has different careers and it's more feasible than others. However, I think there is a boundary that can be placed for each person listening, whether that's an eight to five I'm on email and then not checking after five, or maybe it looks drastically different for you, or you take three hours where you don't look at your email throughout the day, whatever it is, or maybe it's just practicing it with personal relationships, which is I don't need to urgently reply to this text message, Um, whether that's with a family member or a friend and recognizing that even though it gives you anxiety to see the number pop up on your phone. I know a lot of people have anxiety over the the number. You have like millions, right, Amy? Oh, yeah. I don't get anxiety about the little red dots. And I'm just going to share mine with you just to show you my... No. So my email it's like is... like 5,000? What? 3,194. Yeah. But my text <laughs> messages are currently at 333. Oh. But I don't even know how that happens. The, and the problem is I honestly miss replying to some people and it is not intentional at all, but it just gets down below to where I guess I haven't, I don't scroll down to see it. Or maybe if I open it and then I no longer have the blue dot to remind me because mm. I couldn't reply in the moment. And then I don't go back. And then I just hope people aren't creating any lie or story in their head as I often do. If someone doesn't get back to me, I'm like, oh, they're mad at me. What did I do wrong? Why are they not replying? I need to not do that because likely it's what what happens to me often. And I, so I don't want anybody to have that lie of like, oh, is, is Amy mad at me? She hasn't replied. Or, oh, Amy's rude. She didn't think of me. And I'm like, no, I just got to get a better handle on it, clearly. <laughs> well, I'm constantly refining my practice and thinking about, am I being effective with my energy. And that's what it's about. Really recognizing that people's accessibility to you is impacting the energy you have to give. And wherever you can throw up some sort of a boundary to recognize that that email coming in is not a hot cake, like I said, whether that's five minutes to cool off without racing back into writing the emails is space that you've created and a little bit more power back into a world where we can just easily go full speed, never check in with ourselves and just kind of lose ourselves along the way. Well, thank you for coming on to share this with us, Lisa. I hope that, yeah, people will check out your podcast, The Truthiest Life and uh, our podcast every Saturday, Outweigh, which is something we started doing over a year ago. Well, Outweigh officially started last April here on the Four Things podcast. It all started. We wanted to do a four-part series on disordered eating and the gray area of eating disorders. And now it's evolved into its own podcast. And I feel lucky to have Lisa as my co-host on that. She is is the expert. I was going to say, I mean, I feel so lucky to have you as a co-host as well, but our guests that we've brought on, it's not just me and you. We've brought on the most incredible guests that I learn from, even though, you know, I'm I'm a quote-unquote expert. I'm still learning every Every day. And I love that I learned from our guests. And you know who else I learned from, Amy? Our listeners. Every yes. time I hear from them. And Lisa, why don't you go ahead and share a episode of The Truthiest Life that you think people should check out? So last week I had on a, an old friend. Her name is Serena Dyer. And she's the daughter of the late Wayne Dyer, who was a very successful spiritual leader and self-help guru, essentially. And Serena recently came out with a book called The Knowing, and it's basically her father's principles distilled into how she's had to return to her own inner knowing after getting lost along the way and finding her own, what she calls like her lighthouse. So all of us have this lighthouse, this inner knowing of what we need and how to get there. But without a doubt, we all fall away from it at some point. And it's tools to reconnect to that deep knowing. And what I really love most about this episode, even though her book is fantastic, is that in the middle of launching a book, Serena has come out on my podcast where she hadn't talked about this before to talk about being three weeks sober. So she has just started a huge journey for herself and to come out publicly and say, I have recently been struggling and I'm just getting back on my feet and I'm launching a book and that doesn't even make me less of an author or an expert, I think was just so powerful and strong to give us permission to show those soft spots of who we truly are in the moments when we have the spotlight. Like there just aren't a lot of people 
that would be as authentic. And you'll hear in her interview, Amy, if you haven't listened yet, there's a way that she speaks that's just so authentic and not trying to gain anything that I just walked away so inspired myself to be more myself, to show those broken parts, to not think that because I'm a registered dietitian or because I have a platform that I need to be perfect. And there's nothing more beautiful than a person saying, I'm struggling, I've recently struggled, and that's okay too, especially during a pandemic. Yeah, love that. So that was last Friday's episode from May 14th? Yes. Awesome. Okay, that's over at The Truthiest Life. And you can search that up wherever you listen to podcasts and follow along with it so that the episodes will just show up every Friday for you. And then you can do the same thing for Outweigh if you follow along with that. It's no longer subscribe. You have to click follow. And then you can also rate and review both of those. We would appreciate it. So, all right. Thanks, Lisa. I will, I guess, yeah, if people want to hear us again, we'll be together this Saturday on Outweigh. Bye. See you there. All right, for this thing, it is super cool because I have my sister-in-law on, Dana Grindle, and Dana's joining us today because Dana just wrote a book and it's called Healing from the Heart. And I am just so excited because I know this is something that's been on your heart, Dana, for a long time and you're not an author. You've never written a book before. I mean, I guess now you're an author, but you weren't a writer for for many years of your life and this is something that you decided to do. Uh, So what inspired you to write Healing from the Heart? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Um, I agree with you. First of all, I never dreamed of writing a book. I never thought, you know, I've met people and they're like, oh, I always wished I would write this book and I always saw myself as an author. I'm a science major. That was not there ever in my brain. And so I have a whole new respect for people who write books. It is a lot of work and processing and lots of feedback. And so um, it's a great journey to be on. And I've had some amazing people come alongside me in that journey. I have been the last few years working as a minister, working one-on-one with clients, just helping people process pain, helping people process emotions. You know, we all have hurts. We all have places where things have happened, where maybe we feel stuck or, you know, that wound that just doesn't seem to go away. And so in helping people process, there's some truths. There's some basic things that I would always share with people, things that I had learned from a season in my own life when I went through a lot of pain and uh, really had a season where I just was stuck in a chair for a time. I had some really bad back pain. It came from nowhere and it, it was just a journey of healing. And so in that season, I learned some principles. I learned um, just some really key things along the way that as I realized, as I worked with people, as I talked with them, as I listened to their journey and their pain and how they were responding, those truths were true for them. Like, and as I would share it, they would find it healing. They were finding it helpful. It was helping them walk out their own healing journeys. And so I just started one day really feeling impressed that I was supposed to write my story. And it's that story, as I said, of the season of pain, the season in the chair. And you know how you do, you talk to yourself and you're like, who would read that? (laughs) What would I even say? I'm not a writer. I went through all of that inner conversation, but I just kept feeling impressed that I was supposed to write it. And I even had kind of a picture in my mind of that time of how crooked my spine was um, when I first had that pain and I very first went to the chiropractor and they did that scan and they're like, it was crooked in every direction. My shoulders were off, my hips were off. I was twisted. Like, like I was a mess. I was a real mess. So that was the picture that really came back in my mind at that time when I, I needed help getting all that straightened out. I needed help getting everything back in place and all those places where I was out of alignment, all those places where it was twisted were causing pain. So that was what came into my mind. And as I started finally getting to the point of giving in and to that voice that's saying you need to write, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this story. And so that's where I thought, okay, this would be a tool to, to help with some guided questions, you know, just kind of help them process from there. Here's what's coming up. Here's what my pain looks like. Here's, here's what my wound was, or here's what, what happened in the past. How have I responded to it? What have I been doing? You know, how do I think and feel? How do I see others because of that? And so I wrote it really from that perspective, really with the client in mind. And I think that for you, it actually was literally 
back pain, but then it turned into an analogy for what other people's pain may look like. So you and I have both gone to a NUCA doctor. So I'll use that as an example where they work. NUCA is like National Upper Cervical something or another, but they work with the first three vertebrae in the top of the neck. Now they do bounce around to other parts, but they predominantly like to work at the top of the neck. And then even if I had lower back pain, they would adjust me up there. And the theory was that, or actually, I mean, I saw it actually happen. It was more than a theory, but that you would have a domino effect all the way down and everything would kind of fall into place. And so, you know, if you get to the root of whatever the pain is, which again, one of the things you speak of for you was the back pain, but for somebody else, it could be a number of things that have caused them trauma and hurt. And once they get to the root, similar to adjusting those first three vertebrae, then it can have a domino effect and lead to real healing. Absolutely. Yes. And that journey uh, with that chiropractor, you know, I came in because I was in this intense pain. I was really in this painful place. And then as he began unpacking it, he was able to identify that the injury didn't start there. It it did have a starting place. I had a horse injury way back in college. And that was the really the beginning place where I had hurt those muscles, but it had really knocked it out of alignment at the time. And so then life from there was just adding on to an injury that was already there. That analogy of helping people connect with those deeper things and what they were still responding to from pain, from, from that painful place. Healing happens in layers. It's not an instant. You know, we know our skin heals that way. Um, and it's the same with us on the inside, you know, in our hearts, our souls, we heal in layers. There's the top things that are happening that hurts, but there's deeper things. So to get to the deeper things, you know, we have to really create a space and, and an opportunity to, to press in and go deeper. Otherwise we don't ever get to those deeper things, those roots that you're talking about. So what is something that you prompt people in the book in order to get a little bit deeper or get to the next layer? Cause I feel like a lot of us tend to live at the surface. And we're on autopilot, just trying to survive. Yes, absolutely. Where I really learned that interestingly enough was on the massage table. I kind of share my story and, you know, kind of walking through what happened and how I felt and how I responded. And then there's a part of uh, at the end of each chapter where it it transitions to uh, like a journaling opportunity. If you want to do that and use it that way, it says, you know, hey, get out your journal now, you know, get in a quiet spot and and think about these questions, answer these questions for you. How do you respond to pain? Do you hold on? You know, what triggers you, you know, and just some guided questions to just kind of help you process your own story and your own pain and write those out. And then if you if you want, if you feel led, then there's also a prayer to help you kind of transition those thoughts into a way to just release it and give it over to God. So it's a it's a body, soul, spirit approach, looking at all three parts of us to process what's happening in the physical, then connect what's going on inside of me, you know, emotionally, mentally, and then spiritually, how is that affecting me? And just being aware of all three parts and being able to find release, you know, let it out, a voice for it. And that's where the release comes from. And in that release is a freedom from the pain. So I know when you were dreaming up this idea, you kind of thought, well, this might be for my clients, but now it's grown to more than that. And it can be for anybody. But what if someone listening, like they have not ever been to any type of therapy or anything? Like, is this something that might be a good step for them to start that therapeutic process and work? I mean, I know with your ministry and what you do and when you're counseling and working through things with people, they're already there with you. So their foot's already in the door. But some people are wanting to get their foot in the door without actually going to talk to anybody yet. Do you think that this might be a good stepping stone for people? I do. Um, And that really was my heart too, is just helping people wherever they are. You know, we've all been through hurts and certainly in the last year, year and a half, there's been lots of loss, lots of hurt, lots of shame, lots of things happening, you know, things outside of our control and, and just way life has been hurtful. We've responded differently. 
differently. People have had different circumstances in that. And so we, we all have some residual from the last year, you know, just with COVID and all that's happened. It's something you could do with a friend or a couple friends, you know, that, that you trust each other to, to share your stuff with. And I share really at the beginning of the book in the introduction, you know, how you can use it if you're going to use it in a group setting. You could also use it kind of as a detox, right? We do body cleanses, you know, we do that with food or juicing. You could, you could do this for yourself as a soul detox, just kind of a processing through and just kind of a checkup on yourself, how, you know, on my thoughts, on my emotions, you know, on um, how I'm responding. And it's, it's a great checkup tool and a way to just kind of process through there for yourself. And so to anybody that also might be thinking that they too might want to do a book one day. I'm just, I want you to give people some of your background and just a little bit more. I mean, even your your personal life that, again, just to acknowledge too, if, if you feel maybe that the Lord is telling you something or you feel like something's being impressed upon you over and over, but you ignore it, but then you kind of keep coming back to it. You're like, maybe I should listen to this. Just that it can come true. It takes time and hard work and certain resources, of course, but just any encouragement that you have for people. Maybe it's not a book, maybe it's something else and they're feeling that tug, but do you have any wisdom for people maybe that need that extra push to just go for it? Absolutely. Go for it. voice. (laughs) Don't listen to the voice that says you can't. You're not a fill in the blank. Like we all have that, right? I'm not a certified this, or I don't have that degree, or I don't fill in like, don't listen to that voice that tells you you can't, that you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, that you're not educated enough. We all have that voice that shows up and tries to, to shut our voice down, right? And so if you feel impressed and you you feel that your story needs to be told, then you need to tell it. And you need, and there's so many venues and ways to do that. There's communities online now, um, really some faith, you know, writer and communities. You know, for me, I, I went a route um, that a client recommended uh, a book specialist. Her name is Kathy Fiock, and she's a, she's a book specialist, a book strategist. And so that's what she does for a living. And she'll sit and just talk through with you and like hear your heart and what you're about and what you're wanting to accomplish. And then she gives this professional voice and she has a community where you get to be a part of it. So so I guess in the advice, what I would say is get get with someone that, that knows, that has written. You just start thinking about it or asking around. You'll find that there's people around you that have written a book or know someone that has. Get with them, get the information, You know, find the route that's gonna be best for you. And then surround yourself with community. Surround yourself with positive people. Definitely put people around you that are safe, that love you, that are going to speak positive into you, um, but that are also going to help push you and be like, you know what, this can be more than what you think it can. And and that's really what happened for me. So that that was a really neat part of the whole process. Well, and Allie Fallon, she was my guest for the first thing on today's episode. And that's what she does as well. She helps people write books and she's done that herself. So, okay, Data, I want you to tell the tree story though, because I know you had a few different cover versions available and we all voted on them and I voted for the tree and the tree one is the one you selected. So obviously I was super excited because I thought the tree was the best one, but I know there's a cool story regarding the tree and the cover. So I want you to share that with us real quick. Yeah, thank you. So the publisher that I went with did a book cover contest, which was really amazing and fun and really stretchy, but it did come down to these two covers. And so I shared it with family and Amy and I had this conversation about the tree, but I I really loved the other one too. And I kept going back and forth. Um, The other one was kind of very deep and reflective and just like, you know, I, I loved it, but I really came down to the two. And so I printed out the two covers and they told me just wrap it around a book, you know, and just hold on to it for the weekend. And then they're like, you have to make a decision on Monday. So I have these printed out and we had recently, is when we had recently just moved to London. And so I didn't have any friends where we were, but there's some guys in the building. And so I just came back, you know, with these printouts that I had and I just said, hey, I need your opinion. And so I asked one of the guys, I just laid it out on the table and I pointed to the one that I thought was real deep and reflective and he didn't like that one he's like no I don't I don't like that one and so then I pointed to the other one when I pointed to the tree one his whole demeanor changed he like kind of touched his heart and I said what does this cover say to you and he said peace he pat he patted his heart he goes peace 
when I look at this one, it's peace. And so then I was like, okay, done. That was already the one Amy liked. And, and then when he said that, it was like making peace for his art. I'm like, I'm in, you're done. <laughs> I know, you, you took all these votes from people that you trust in your life. And then it was a random guy that you barely <laughs> knew at the building in London where you just moved. So, but I mean, that was, that was what you needed. That was the affirmation that you needed was watching his demeanor change the side of that cover, which that's what I, I felt more peaceful looking at the tree and I was picturing it on my nightstand. And that was a more peaceful look by my bed. So I'm all about it. I'm thankful that that he gave you the affirmation to go with the tree. And so that's what you've got to look for on Amazon because that's where the book is. The beautiful tree is the cover and it's called Healing from the Heart. And I'm going to link it to my Amazon page, which y'all can find at radioamy.com. You'll scroll down and you see Amy's Amazon favorites or something like that. Click on that. And then you could go to books and inspiration, I think is the category. And it'll be the first book. So it'll be right there in the front. Or if you just have Amazon, you just want to type in healing from the heart, Dana Grindle, then you'll see the tree and hopefully you'll feel peace (laughs) when you see it. And then uh, it'll help you work through some stuff. You know, if you're going through some pain, which, you know, you know, Dana said earlier, we've all been through different things in life, especially this last year, but there may even be some, some hurts and pains you're holding on to from years and years ago that maybe this is the time to start digging a little deeper and starting that massage and starting to to get into those tender spots that you know need to be worked on so that you can get to the root of the problem. So thanks Dana for coming on. Again, thanks, super Amy. super proud of you and uh we'll be cheering you on from Nashville. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care everybody. Awesome. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from Brain MD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by Brain MD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.